All right. So I was at the gym the other day, working out this God-like body, right? I mean, I was hammering it. I was like throwing it down, and I was like, woo, you know, at it. I mean, full tilt at it. And, and my son calls me and says, Dad, I want to come to the, to, to the gym and work out with you a little bit. And, uh, you know, he shows up a little bit later, and, and I'm not really working out much. Honestly, I'm just, like, at the bicycle, and I am, like, barely moving. And so he comes in and goes, hey, you want to work out together? I'm like, I think I'll stay right here. And uh, so he goes, and he's 18, you know, almost 18 at the time, and he goes, and he starts, you know, throwing it down, and he's doing the whole deal. And uh, this gets a little bit embarrassing to share, actually, because I'm watching my son across the gym, and I'm just kind of watching him. And... Um, you know, he's starting to lift and he's lifting more weight than I'm lifting. And I'm like, that's embarrassing right there. That is embarrassing right there. Um, but, but it was way worse than that because I don't know what hit me, but I just become in the gym, this emotional mess. I don't know what's wrong with me. And I'm watching my son and I'm thinking to myself how proud I am of him. And I'm, I'm just watching him do his deal. And I'm like, just thrilled to be his dad. And so like, I'm sitting there trying to run, you know, do my bike thing. And tears are coming down my eyes a little bit. I'm just, you know, and people are walking by going, what's wrong? Are you okay, man? You know, you good? And I'm like, I'm just hammering it so hard. I'm just sweating out of my eyes. It's crazy. You know, it's crazy. Um, but I am, I'm like a mess. And so Zachary's overdoing his thing. And eventually he goes, I got to go, dad. And he leaves. And, and eventually I make my way out to the car when we're all done. And I just, whoo, I lose it. And because I was starting to think about all my kids and how proud uh, we are of them and how lucky we are to have all of them. And, and so I get my phone out and I um, text my son, like kind of, you know, the sappy father type of message, just how much I love him. And I know that God's going to use him in this world. And I'm just so excited for his future. And I'm thinking, you know, he's going to be 18 in a couple of days. And all this is kind of rattling around in my mind, you know. And, and I'm thinking my son on the other end is going, Dad has really lost it. I don't know what is wrong with him, but he has really, lost it. Now, let me tell you another quick uh, dad type of story. Um, last Monday, uh, a friend of ours, his name's Clint, he has uh, my two younger guys, uh, Lincoln and Isaac, over to his house for this uh, fuel party for the sixth grade boys. It was Lincoln's life group, uh, his sixth grade life group, and uh, he, he was so kind to let Isaac go, come along. And, and so after this whole deal was over, I see my boys later that night, and they come running up to me, and they're like, Dad! That was one of the most awesome parties ever in the history of awesome. It was incredible. And they go on to tell me about the food because, you know, food is like everything to a middle school boy. I mean, it's like you get the food thing right, you have hit a home run, you know. And so, like, like the food was awesome and the friends were there. Everything's happening. And then they tell me about the, the jello fights they were having and how they sniffed jello, which I'm not exactly sure how that all works. But it was crazy. And they were just like, Dad, it was the best time ever. Now, here, here's why I link these two stories together. And I'm not trying to brag on my kids, but I am so proud of my kids. But I'm not trying to brag on my kids. I'm bragging on you. I'm trying to brag on you a little bit because one of the things that I've learned, after 15 years of doing church with some of y'all out there, is how important it is to have somebody who is pouring into your life 
How just critically important it is for somebody to be pouring into you at all times. And I was thinking about, you know, this ridiculous, happy parent moment at the gym and, and then with my other kids. And I was thinking about my 18-year-old and again, how proud I am of him. And now he's making all these very grown-up decisions and he's making good, solid decisions and, and he's working so hard. And, and then my daughter has this, like, Mexican birthday party thing. Some of y'all heard about this. I don't know. But it was, like, ridiculous. Like, hundreds of people there. And I, like, spent $8 million dollars on this birthday party. It was amazing, okay? Best night ever. And then my daughter comes out and she does this like, you know, Mexican dance thing and and I just melted and I'm like going, she's so beautiful and she's so incredible and her heart is gold before God. And I'm starting to think about all this and, 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 and I thought to myself, is it because, only because Lynette and I have just made all the right decisions at all the right times that our kids are doing pretty good right now at this stage of life? No, I think not. I don't think that's it at all. I think we've made some good decisions along the way at the right time. But I think it is way, way more than that because I got to thinking that this started way back when Zachary was in a Clint's life group or a series of Clint's that came along and invested in my kids. All the way through it, time after time, this church has been there for my kids. And I think... um, This is one of the best things that Lynette and I have ever uh, done with our four kids, is we have made sure that they are part of the church. We have made sure that they are committed to the church, that our family is committed to the church. That it is a priority each and every week, that it is a priority for us as parents to get our kids into the right environments where people like you have the opportunity to invest in kids like Mine, And now this is kind of becoming amazing to me because now I'm seeing it turn with my, my kids and they're starting to pour their lives into the next somebody. So my little girl Maddie comes up to me, she's 15 now, and uh, she's just starting to lead her own little life group at Fuel. And I'm just going, this is the way it should be. And so I want to just talk about the importance of always having somebody who is in your life investing into you and that you're investing into the next guy or to somebody else. Let me put it like this. It is critically important to always have someone in your life who is investing in you and you are investing into. It has to happen like this. You get the idea, right? That there ought to be somebody in our life who's a little out ahead of us, who, who we respect, who you kind of look at and you go, wow, they got some things going on. And you should be allowing them and getting yourself into environments where they can pour more and more of themselves into you because they are where you want to go. And it should be normal because somebody served you, because somebody loved you, because somebody mentored you, because somebody invested in you. It should be normal for a believer to turn around and invest in the next guy. To reach down to the next generation and help pull them along a little bit. To teach them the ropes about life. To give them a perspective of what it means to do life with God. That's what we got to go after. Y'all hear me on this? And, and, and this, it wasn't too long ago when Maddie came up to me and Lynette and she says, Mom, Dad, um, I, I think I want to do this. Uh, I, I think I want to go back into fuel and, and I want to lead a life group. I think I can do it. And then she says, Dad, do you, do you think I could do this? Do you think I could mentor a small group of these little girls? And I look at my girl. Because of what you have done, investing in her, I say to her, I said, Maddie, not only can you do this, but you should do this. God's called you to this. And, and here's why they do it. They learned it from you. 
They learned it from you. Zachary's done this for a lot of years now where he's been trying to do the life group thing with the little guys at Fuel and all that. And then just recently, my little 11-year-old Lincoln, I love that guy, he's crazy. But uh, he, he comes and he goes, Dad, I want to do Metro Kids. I'm like, you're barely out of Metro Kids. It's time. And literally, he, like, like he, he does the whole deal and he will come to us like just today, truth, point just today he's like I can't find my Metro Kids shirt I gotta have my Metro Kids shirt and my little lanyard thing I don't even know where it is I gotta do it. and he goes I'm on the schedule I can't be late I gotta go because this is important to me he says this is important friends how does this happen listen how does it happen it happens because they learned it from you. They learned it from being here. They learned it because this local church with all four of my kids for, for their whole lives, there has been somebody, a whole bunch of somebodies other than their parents investing into them. There were kids, people who worked the Metro kids thing or the field people or the alive people, or the unite people, people pouring into the lives of my children. Somebody has been regularly checking in on them. This has been normal for them for their whole lives. This has been normal for our family, our whole lives. And, and, and so now that the older ones are getting this opportunity to go back and reach into the next generation, even though they are kids themselves, they just think it's normal that you should have somebody pouring into you and you should start pouring your life into the next guy. And friends, this is important to our family because this is important to our church. They got it from here. And this is one of the reasons I love my church so much. This is why I'm so thankful for our little church uh, because my family has been helped by you over the years to become the people that God wants us to be. And we owe a great debt to you because of that. And this is why I have no problem saying over and over, if you got kids, little kids, like Metro Kids Age, you should get them into church every week, not like once a month, but every single week. This is why I have no problem saying if you got kids who are in middle school or high school or even our young adult deal, that you should be doing everything you can as a parent to get them to environments where people are going to invest in them, to lift them, to support them, and to carry them where the world will never take them. You see, we spend a whole lot of investment into video games and into sports and, and the, you know, clubs and all, and all that is very important. All of it's very important. But let me tell you something. There is nothing like the local church when we are investing in each other. Nothing like it at all. All those things can be great, but where else can you get your kids, let me tell you, for free. Woo! Listen, where else can you get your kids for free into an amazing environment where, where somebody else comes prepared to partner with you to reinforce the values that you're already trying to teach your kids at home? Where is it? If it's not here, did I, did I mention for free? I mean, you can drop your kids off at Alive or Fuel and they will be partnering with you and they will be sharing things with your kids that maybe you even as a parent aren't quite ready to share on your own yet to them. And we partner together, reinforcing your family values. And I got to tell you, um, it works. It works not because of me and not because our staff is so great, but because of the hundreds and hundreds of volunteers like you who have decided that being poured into is important. And I hope you feel that here at church when you come, but pouring into somebody else, 
really does make the world better. Amen? And so you know, as a church, we are standing at the edge of something really big. I don't know if you know that, but really, really big. And in just two weeks, we are going to be launching our second campus. And, and this is going to be huge. At least I hope it's going to be huge. But i got to be honest with you, I'm really, 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 really nervous about this whole thing. Um, but I can tell you this, that big was never my goal. When we started this church 15 years ago, in my living room were 15, 20 people. That was never my goal. My goal has never changed. My goal has always been to create an environment where people like you and me, where we could connect and where we could build healthy friendships, where we could build this Jesus community where, where there'd be a place where I could make friends that cared about me and my family and that we could care about our friends through this thing called the local church. It's always been my goal. And so matter of fact, there was this phrase that we used to throw around. We still throw it around. And, and it goes something like this, that we want to do life with God, dot, 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 together together we want to create an environment where you want to do life with God but that you see the need to do it with other people who have the same desire as you who want to head in the same direction as you we want to be a place where people can connect deeply with others who are moving forward in the same areas of life where you want to move forward Um, so it's never been about how many people we can get in little rows like this it's about how many, not about how many people we can get together shoulder to shoulder. It's about getting together face to face where we truly know each other. So Andy Stanley, he's a great preacher, one of my favorite. He says it like this. Um, he says, it's not about getting into rows. He says, it's about getting into circles, that life is better together. This has become one of the great values of our church. At least I want it to be one of the great values of our church, that we are better Together, And my hope is, by the time we're done with this time today, that you will feel this urgency in you to get yourself into some environments where people can pour into you and you can pour into them. That's my hope. And so if it's okay with you, I want to talk about this very important idea of getting into circles, to getting into environments where we allow our lives to be exposed a little bit, where we can get face-to-face in order to move forward in our life. Uh, a couple years ago, Pastor Greg uh, gave this great message. And it was a great message. It was all about how life seems like it is swimming upstream. Yeah, I don't know if anybody remembers that, but he talked about this idea that life just seems to be this one battle after another battle, and it's everything feels like it's upstream. And if your faith is going to be real to you at all, and if your faith is going to grow in you at all, that you have to be prepared to swim upstream. He, t- he talked about the power of drift in our life. You know, I'm talking about this power of drifting that it just doesn't take long where we work so hard to get going and get going and going forward, going forward. But it's like you let up for one day and you find yourself drifted way back here. Anybody ever feel that in your life? You work so hard to move forward. And then it was like almost overnight, you were dragged back to almost where you started. There is this thing called the power of drift. Let me tell you something. You have it. I have it, you drift, I drift, we all drift. It's easy in our life. And and here's what I'm learning. Maybe some of you already know this, you already probably know this, Um, but I'm figuring this out, that you rarely drift into anything good. Do you know that? You rarely drift into anything good. You rarely drift in a good direction. Things don't naturally get better. They don't naturally get better with your health. They don't naturally get better with your money. You're like, you can't go, hey, I just want to keep spending like a drunk sailor and it's going to be great one day. You, you can't do that, right? Because we don't drift into something good naturally. We usually drift into places where we don't want to end, right? Um, 
And so let me, let me say like this. Again, this is another Andy Stanley quote because he's got all the best quotes in the whole world. Um, he, he says like this, if it's good for us, we drift from it. If it's good for us, we usually drift from it, don't we? Come on, don't we? It's true. Nobody wakes up and goes, you know what, man? I just spent 15 years eating whatever I want and drinking whatever I want and smoking whatever I want and just sitting around on the couch watching whatever I want and doing nothing with my life. And look at me. I'm the picture of health. Hardly ever happens, right? We don't drift into the salad bar. We drift to the ice cream bar. Come on. It's true. And you know it. You know it in your own life. At any level, anything good seems to go away from us instead of to us. It takes work. It takes purpose. It takes effort to bring good into our lives. This would be a point where if you're like an amen type of person, you would say amen. Amen. You see, because what is good must be sought after in our life. Exercise and diet, our finances, healthy relationships. We naturally drift in the wrong direction considering every area of our life. And this is usually true in our relationship with God himself. You know this, right? It doesn't take long for your soul to drift. It doesn't take long for doubt to settle in. It doesn't take long for broken habits to take over your life or bad habits to take over your life. It just doesn't take long. And so if we are not purposeful in our relationship with God, we will drip because every current of life pulls us in the wrong direction. And like Pastor Greg was saying, he says, you have to be prepared to swim up the stream. It takes intentionality. It takes purpose. It takes effort. It takes focus. It takes discipline. If our walk with God is going to grow, you can't just drift into church and hope the pastor says something that somehow is going to take you somewhere. It takes a concerted personal effort. You hear me? You agree? It's true, isn't it, friends? And it doesn't matter um, if you're trying to get past some deep hurt in your life or personal failure in life or broken relationships or, or messed up finances or, or if you're just trying to get your life with God right. Um, we naturally drift in the wrong direction. So if anything is good is going to happen, you have got to be prepared to work at it. You've got to be prepared to go forward in your life. Um, and, but here's what we know about swimming upstream. Here's what we know about work. Here's what we know about overcoming some things that you've wanted to overcome. Here's what we know. It is worth it. That's what we know. Come on. We, We know this, right? You know this. You pick any area of your life that you knew was pulling you down, that was heading in the wrong direction, that you wanted to turn around, and you knew it was a ton of work to get there, to make that change, to move forward in that. But when you did, did anybody go, oh, that was horrible. I wish I never would have straightened up my life. No, every single time, every single time we go, that was worth it. That was worth it to to fix my marriage, to work on it, to work on my relationship with my kids. That was worth it. To break that habit that was uh, dominating my life. That was worth it. Every single time. It is worth it. Um, And so the key... I think that the key thought of the Christian faith in this moment, it has to be that not only have we been called to swim upstream, that is your call of your life, but let me tell you something. You've been called to swim upstream together. Do you hear me on this? Because if you spend your whole life swimming upstream by yourself, you're going to get tired and you're going to wear out and it will not end well. It is doing life with God 
together. Check out this little video. It's just 30 seconds long, but it is so cool. Check this out. That right there is the power of community. That right there is the power of together. That is the power of doing life with God, dot, 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 together. Uh, So I want to take a look at some of the earliest followers of Jesus. And uh, these were some of the very first Christians. And they were trying to figure out how to swim upstream in a Roman culture where everything, and I mean everything, was against them. And so the writer of the book of Hebrews comes along and he sees these fledgling little Christians trying to figure out how to make it in this world. And he goes to bat with them, telling them that together is better. That we got to work on this together. If we are going to grow our faith, it's not a personal effort. There's personal effort involved, but it's not just a personal effort. That we got to do this thing together. So here's what it says. Book of Hebrews chapter 3. Listen to this. Book of Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, it says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a what? A sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Uh, do, do you see it right there? It says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that no one else has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Now, pause for a second. Think about this. Who, in their right mind, would turn away from the living God. Who, in their right mind, would know what God wants you to do, sense what God wants you to do, and do something completely the opposite? Anybody else? All of us. Every last one of us. Every last one of us who claims to believe, who claims to follow, who claims the name of Christ, every one of us has known in a moment of our life exactly what God would have us to do, and yet we go, hey, nice suggestion, and we go do it completely the opposite. Every one of us does this. And so he begins to talk about this idea that says um, that we have a role together in helping our hearts to stay right, to keep the drift away in all of our lives. We've got to work on this together because drift comes. We all have the tendency to drift. And so if you're not a Christian, um, uh, this is super important for you as well. I really think that this is important. But I, this is for those of us in this room who say, yep, I, I want this for my life. I want to be a Christian. Uh, but you're going to see that there is something in this with the local church. that We have got to be in this uh, uh, together because we say, and here's the thing about uh, some of the non-Christians in our room. We're so glad that you're here. If you haven't made this decision to follow Christ, we are so glad that you're here. We think you're in the right place to check this out but you do have a legitimate gripe against us because when we say that we we believe that there is a god those of us who are christians like me you have a gripe against people like me if we say that we believe in the god who created everything and we believe that god communicated to us through jesus and when we know what he's communicated to us through jesus and we turn around and disobey this God who created everything, you have every right to go, huh? 
If you really believe that, then why do you do this? If you really believe that, then why are you so not generous? Why are you so unforgiving? Why are you so filled with bitterness and envy and all of these things that your little Jesus guy tells you not to be? And yet you are filled with all of these things. And I think it's a fair thing for somebody who's on the outside to look at those of us on the inside and go, you're not getting it right at all. Because who in their right mind would know what God wants us to do and not do it? All of us. And so we have a role in helping each other do what God wants us to do. We have a role in making sure that nobody else drifts as we're trying to not drift ourselves. So I'm not exactly sure how this whole drift thing happened. I think it happens in different ways for all of us. We could spend a whole morning on that, or a whole evening, right? But I can tell you where the solution is. I'm not sure how it happens. Drift happens in all of our lives. We want to go one direction, but we end up going another. And I'm not sure how that shapes up in you, but let me tell you something. There is a solution that the writer of Hebrews points out. Now listen, this is how he talks about this idea of stopping drift in our life. And this isn't an individual command. This is like a plural command. This is a group command. So look at all the plurals in this. He says, see to it, brothers, with an S. And see to it, sisters, with an S. All of y'all. Right? He says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you. Now, if we were in the South, it would say none of y'all. Because that you there is a plural. If you understand sentence structure and all that kind of stuff. He's saying, make sure that none of y'all. Right? has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. In other words, here's what the author is saying to us, that you need to see about each other. You need to care about each other. Listen, if we were in the South, they, they, they would say something like this, I'm just here seeing about you. I'm just here seeing about you. Now up here in the North, we say, I'm here checking in on you. Anybody? You know what I'm talking about? Anybody have a mama who used to say, you better check in. Is it just me? Y'all had a mom that said, you better check in because I want to know what you're doing and when you're doing it and who you're doing it with and you better not be getting in trouble. You better be checking in. Right? Anybody have a mama like that? You know exactly what I'm talking about. So what's the author of scripture saying? He's saying y'all need to be checking in on each other. You need to be working this thing together. You need to be checking in because, listen, there is something better together. God is trying to tell us something here that this isn't just Jeremy making sure that Jeremy doesn't have a sinful unbelieving heart. This is you all helping Jeremy to not have a sinful unbeliever heart, unbelieving heart. We're in this thing together. We ought to be checking in with each other. We ought to have this uh, condition in our life where we have a certain measure of openness with other believers who want to help us, who want to challenge us, who want us to move forward, right? And this is so important. It says that we should make sure that none of us has a sinful, unbelieving what? What? Heart, right? And so where does the drift start? It doesn't start at the end of your life where everybody can see. Where does drift start? Come on. Here, in the heart. And so the writer of scripture comes right after the heart of the matter because it is in the heart that we drift. It is in the heart where compromise starts. It is in the heart that doubt starts. It is in the heart that we start to move in the wrong direction long before it comes out where everybody else can see it. Drift happens from within. That's another Andy Stanley quote. He's got all the best quotes. He says, drift happens from within. Temptation, compromise, it all happens from within. The drift starts, and it's usually a very subtle thing. It starts with something like this, like, I'm not so sure I want to do that anymore. 
I'm not so sure I want to, you know, get up and go to church on the weekend. I mean, I only got so many hours. It starts when, when, when we say something like, I'm not so sure I believe that anymore, or I'm getting tired of that, or I'm not so interested in that anymore. Drift always, always begins within. And nobody really knows unless somebody is checking in on you because you can't see what's going on in the heart. But it says, see to it, brothers. But nobody knows if they don't have access to your life. See to it, sisters. Check in with each other. Because we can hide a whole lot on the inside. So we have to somehow get to this position in our life where, where we open our soul to somebody else. And let me tell you something, friends. It doesn't happen in rows. It doesn't happen in rows because rows don't know. They don't know what's going on inside of the soul. And you can be sitting next to somebody and you have no idea. You think you know them. You might even think you're buddies with them. But you can't know sitting shoulder to shoulder. You can't know sitting in rows. A drifting heart doesn't show in a row. And we're so good at doing church, we can hide this, right? Because I know how it is sometimes. I see some of you guys in the parking lot. You are like all the way to church. You are fussing and you are cussing. Right? And you're back there swinging at your kids and I'm swinging at my kids. You better knock it off. And like, we're like, yeah, I'm going to whoop you. And you're, I'm, I'm not, you know, and we're, it is your fault and, and all this. And as soon as there's a miracle that happens, as soon as we pull in the church parking lot and our feet hit the pavement, yeah, I'm going to whoop your blankety blank. And then you go, praise the Lord. I just love me church. I just love me some church. I just hope it's so good. I'll take care of you when I get home. But... And we have this unbelievable ability to walk in and sit in a row and think that nobody knows because nobody does know. And we can fake it. And yet our heart is drifting. And it's somehow or another, we got to figure out how to get not into rows, but we got to get into circles. Because when we get into circles, now we're looking face to face and something changes. You see, because you can kind of know something's happening with the dude at work. You can kind of know that something's happening with a neighbor. You can kind of know that somebody's happening with a, like, with a church friend. And let me tell you something. You can even kind of know that something's happening in your own home with your husband or your wife or your kid. And you can start to sense drift is happening, but you will never know sitting in a row. And, and let me tell you something. There is a false sense of community that happens even in a home, even in a home. And that does not change until it becomes from this watching a TV to looking at each other, where eyes begin to meet and you begin to open your soul a little bit. And so the writer says, you got to figure out a way to check in with each other to make sure that drift doesn't happen. And look what he says next. He goes on and says this. He says, but encourage one another, but encourage one another. And when we read this, it's not like what you, you think like, oh, you're so cute, girl. Like high five, you're awesome. It's like not that kind of encouragement. Like if you were to do like a, a real study on this back of this word, it, it's this whole idea that, that we are supposed to lift one another, that we're supposed to carry one another, that somehow we're supposed to scoop in and be together enough to know when somebody's drifting in order to pull them back in the right direction. It literally means to take somebody upward. Come on. And that does not happen. 
just sitting next to somebody going, that's a really nice song. I really like that new guy. I think he's pretty good. I hope the pastor keeps him around. He's really good. It doesn't happen until you start looking at each other in circles. Until you open your life with somebody or a couple somebodies. And he's saying, the writer's saying, I don't want a wife to struggle alone. I don't want a husband to struggle alone. I don't want a teenager to struggle alone. I don't want a single mom to struggle alone. I don't want a single dad to struggle alone. I don't want an addict to struggle alone. I don't want somebody who is uh, trying to change something or, or get through something. I don't want them to do it alone. You better figure out a way to get into each other's lives enough to encourage one another, to lift one another, to care deeply about one Another, And then he says this crazy thought. He says, but encourage one another. How often? How often? He says, daily, as long as it is called today. So how often are we supposed to be in each other's business? Bad news for you. Often enough to know. Daily. I don't think he's saying like you got to come and check in with me every day or I got to come and check in with you every day. Like it's not like you have to show up at my house or call me every day. But I do think he's saying that we got to be a part of each other's lives in such a way you got to have a couple of somebodies in there. A couple of somebodies. A small group of somebodies who you're leaning into and they're leaning into you. Because you will not keep the drift away on your own. Ask anybody who has struggled with anything, which is probably most of us. You ask them, they'll tell you, you can't win alone. Okay, somebody should be saying amen to that. And so here's what he says. Let me say, let me go. Here's what he says next. Verse 13, he says, so, uh, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today. And, and here's the why. So that, here's the why. He's telling you why. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. What are we supposed to avoid? Sin's deceitfulness. We're supposed to avoid a hardened heart. Now, it's interesting. When you go through the New Testament and you listen to these writers, actually all of the Bible, and you listen to these writers write about this idea of sin, they personify it. It's like they, it's almost like when you're reading it, it's like, wow, are they talking about this? Like there's this little guy inside of you who's like running around making you do bad things. But, but if you read the scripture, it's saying more than that. It's not some guy is whispering to you, but it is personified because it is this idea that you are lying to yourself. You are deceiving yourself. You think you can fix whatever yourself, that you have enough strength in yourself to make it happen. And he's saying, no, 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 no. It's not going to happen that way. Why you do you need each other? So that your heart will not be hardened. But here's how it usually works for us. <laughs> usually happens when we're driving, right? There's stuff going on. There's drift starting to happen. I don't deserve this. She makes me so mad. You know what? She's lousy. You know what? She doesn't take care of my needs. She's practically forcing me to do this. I don't really want to do this. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a godly man, but boy, she gets me so mad. I, I just, I, you know what? If, if people at work knew just how bad she treated me, oh man, they'd all be on my side. If her family knew how bad she treated me, and we're having this little conversation, and there is this thing called sin that says, okay, keep going, believe those lies. Just blame it on everybody else. You have nothing to do with this at all. 
It's somebody else's fault. Your life, your condition, your struggles, your health issues, your financial issues, your uh, relational issues, it's all somebody else's fault. And sin has a way of deceiving us. It has a way of getting our soul to drift. And so the writer comes along and says, you better figure out how not to drift. And he goes, I got an idea for you. See to it. Check in with each other. Because the best defense uh, against your drift is not more of you. It's not more words from you. It's not driving down the road going, I think I'm right. I think I'm right. I think she's wrong. I think he's wrong. I think, I think, I think. More words is not going to fix it from you. The best defense is, is together. The best defense is we The best defense is a circle where somebody is looking at you and you're looking at them and you're in each other's business enough, enough to lift one another, to keep them from the slide. Now, let me, let me just ask you, um, let me just ask you, uh, is there a place somewhere back in your life where you wished somebody would have spoke to your parents when their drift started what would have been different in your life if your mom or your dad who got caught up and strung up who drifted and went off and had an affair or ruined your family in some way or started habits in your home that became incredibly destructive what would have been different if somebody would have been in their life enough to lift them, to care about them, to pull them up. What's incredibly sad about my life is that my family, we were in rows every Sunday. Every Sunday. We were in rows, but rows don't know. Because Rose don't show. And I just think, what, what if somebody, if my parents, particularly my father, would have gotten in a circle where he opened his heart enough for somebody to speak into his life? If he was being invested into personally and investing in others, man, what could have been different? My guess is, is that you're telling yourself, I'm okay. Jeremy, you're a little bit riled up about this. Hey, come on. No. There is this warning in scripture that says you can't do it alone. That there's drift bent in the heart of every man and woman. And you got to figure out how to fight that drift. And he says, I got an idea for you. Get into a bunch of somebodies that can check in with you. And you can check in with them. And it will be different for you if you do that. So here's what I would like to attempt to lead our church into. We're launching a new campus. And with this launch, we're going to go crazy. We're going to relaunch our life groups. We're going to reinvigorate our life groups. We're going to refire up our life groups. And so if you've been around here before and you say, you know, I tried a life group before and it was kind of cool for a while and then this one weird guy came to the group and it all fell apart. (laughs) That may have happened. 
I'm just asking you right now as your pastor, somebody who loves you deeply, to try again, to try a group again. Maybe you're just not interested in this and you're like going, I'm just kind of a private person. I don't do well like in these kind of environments. Let me tell you something. Where God leads us, he will help us and it will go well for you. I'm asking you to try one of these groups. Maybe you've taken a group and you've kind of taken the summer off and you kind of haven't been meeting over the summer. I'm asking that you refire up the grill and refire up your group and that you get it together because in the month of September, we're going to be launching this campaign called the Love Campaign. That's going to be our series starting in the new, in the, with a new building, a new launch. We're going to call it the Love Campaign. And we're going to talk about what it means to love one another, to be the kind of community where people walk in and go, man, there's something different there. And part of this campaign is I'm going to ask every single person that calls Metro their church home to get into a group just for three weeks. Try a group just for three weeks, just for three weeks, that you would commit to a group once a week for three weeks, that we'll we'll have groups that are kind of like you and they're in the same stage of life where you can go and try it. And if it doesn't work out, fine, we'll say go to a different group or try another group or, hey, we'll at least say thanks for trying at least once. But I'm going to ask you to risk much with me, that you will try a group. And some of you, I'm going to ask that maybe you would open your home just to host a group. You don't have to be a great leader, a great theologian. You don't have to be any of that. But maybe you could throw a little party at your house. We'll help you with the rest. We'll help you. But we need to do this thing together because we are better together. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Let's pray together. Um, God, we come together right now and just humble our hearts. And uh, I fully realize, I fully realize that there are people on all the spectrums here. There's people who are, you know, they've been around this for a long time and there's something resonating in them and they're saying, yep, I get it. I know this is important. I I need this for my life. And then there are other people on, on the far other end that are going like, I don't know about any of this. This is crazy. God, I just pray that you would speak. And God, that we would be real with ourselves and we'd stop lying to ourselves. We'd stop kidding ourselves, thinking that we can fix it all on our own, that we can hold ourselves up on our own. God, you say that you want to hold us up and you say that you're going to use the church, the body of Christ to do that. And so I'm just praying right now, God, that every single person in this room would have an open heart to hear from you. God, that they would decide that it is better together. And God, that you'd help them to take the next steps. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.